Welcome to the Open House Podcast. Conversations exploring life, faith and hope with Stephen O'Doherty. Well, have you heard of Mission Aviation Fellowship? They provide air flights for 2,000 aid, development and mission organisations, enabling them to transform lives. MAF Australia has just won a prestigious award from the Aviation Industry of Australia. The award is the Southern Cross Award, uh, an entry in the Australian Aviation Hall of Fame for service to the aviation industry. They stand beside some of the most iconic aviation organisations in that place. Ian McDougall is General Manager of MAF. Welcome. Thank you very much. This, uh, this award is pretty cool. What does it recognise? It recognises service to the aviation industry. In Australia. Service to the industry. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that the industry itself has recognised the significance of it? Oh, absolutely. And we're so excited that uh, they took the time to look at what we do and see that it was a significant message to be shared. Well, it is significant. So for in 1947, yes. five men had been serving in the armed forces together as well, they, they, they were pilots, pilots they? Yeah. and they came from different parts of the globe. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, they came from America, they came from England, New Zealand and Australia. And they'd been corresponding since the end of the war. Correct. But what happened then, a special moment? Well, a special moment was that they'd been corresponding with each other and God opened their eyes to saying they could do something with an aircraft that could bring hope to people. And that's where they started from. So they looked at what they could do. And in Australia, Harry Hartwig started to look at what he could do. And he went up to the central parts of Australia and flew an aircraft. And he was doing the postal run. But what it allowed him to do was to actually share hope with people on every station he pulled into. He could share the gospel at the same time as he was delivering the mail. Yeah, that is very interesting. Of course, there's a great tradition of that out of the Northern Territory. It's the Flying Doctor Service. Yes. Um, was was that part of his world as well? It was, because he worked side by side with them. Mm. And so he, he made a difference in the way he was doing. He didn't want to get into the medevac programs. He was more bringing hope to people and flying in. And he started to fly pastors in. Mm and reverence and ministers from different locations. And he was working with the Lutheran Church up there, and that's how it all started. And then he moved across to PNG and working out of Papua New Guinea, and that's in 1951. That's where he died. He, he flew into a mountain, unfortunately. But it was just a, a, he f died doing what he loved, was sharing the gospel. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's dangerous work. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're looking at the, the flights in, in Papua New Guinea are around about 20-minute hops, and those 20-minute hops are at 5,500 feet. Mm. And in an aircraft that he had, which was an Oster, it was a cloth and timber aircraft that he was flying in those days. And one of the stories that Margaret shares is about how they would wake up on the weekdays and iron on the new cloth and <laughs> glue it all together and then seal it and then wait for it to dry. And then Harry would load up and fly out two days later. What was he taking around Papua New Guinea in his cloth aircraft? He was carrying people, oh, yes. but also he was carrying what's called the Bible box, which we still run today. What's in the Bible box? Well, now it, the Bible box has it has um, Bibles in Pidgin English, so that the the local people in Tok Pidgin, so that it can go into those areas. Mm. We also have. Uh, different products that are used for their mobile phones. As you know up there, mobile phones are used more for listening devices. And so we have many different sermons and testimonies that we record in their language and then we download it onto their phone mm. straight from the Bible box out of the aircraft. But when Harry was doing it, it was it was pamphlets and leaflets and, and little 
little handouts that he had, stickers and so on that he would give to kids. Yeah. yeah. Well, we leapt ahead just a little bit because I still want to come back to this moment in 1947. So Harry and four others from the UK, US and so on mm. uh, who'd been corresponding said, uh, look, you know, we've we've seen, been involved in aircrafts being used in warfare. Let's use aircraft for hope instead. Mm. Uh, is that when mission, the idea of mission aviation was born? That's correct. That's correct. And in 1948, Missionary Aviation Fellowship was actually formed as a corporation. And it was individual groups. So out of England, Stuart King was running out of England, mm. Murray Kendon out of New Zealand, and Harry Hartwig in Australia, and the other guys were doing the, the back scenes. And then as it grew, it grew out of Victoria, and then we moved into Ballarat where we where we had a, a division which would do engineering and preparing of aircraft because as the aircraft got more sophisticated, hmm. we needed more, more sophisticated engineering. Ian McDougall is with us, the General Manager of Mission Aviation Fellowship, just given the Southern Cross Award for service to the Australian aviation industry. Well, does Mission Aviation, it's now Mission Aviation Fellowship. That's correct. Does Mission Aviation Fellowship, MAF, does it own aircraft? MAF International mm. runs the programs and projects. We have 135 aircraft working in over 25 countries around the world. We've got 1,400 staff, of which 200 are expatriates, missionaries, and the rest are nationals working in their country. Goodness. So that's a, it's a massive capital undertaking. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. I suppose you own, lease whatever the arrangements are. We own all the aircraft. You own them? Oh. Yes, we own all the aircraft. We also have our own insurance company that, that runs the insurances from them, and it's all donor-funded. Yes, it's got a massive reach. Yes, yeah, it has. And and look, I've as you say, I've worked with people across Papua New Guinea, in Timor-Leste, in Kenya, South Sudan, Uganda, who all rely on what we do. Our job is transportation. Our job is to bring hope to the remote. We believe that every person has a right to hope. Mm. And by sharing hope through the gospel, we can fly in. You get into one of our aircraft and the pilot prays for you before we take off. You get into one of the aircraft in Papua New Which could be misconstrued. <laughs> It can be, but it's a lot of fun. I think it's. I think they should do that on Qantas, in-flight, in you know, and just before we take off, ladies and gentlemen, make sure your seatbelts are fastened. Now let's pray. Yeah. And just, <laughs> just on that, with, with Qantas, um, we land in more landing strips than Qantas does. So 3,300 landing strips around the world on average. So if I want to put that in perspective for everybody, yeah. across the world, while we're talking, every four minutes, one of our aircraft is taking off. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, Mission Aviation Fellowship, MAF, it, uh, it now has become a major service provider, which is what you're alluding to, to other frontline organisations providing humanitarian relief and doing other good works around the globe, so uh, disaster relief and yep. so on. Um, and uh, you were just telling me before we began this conversation that you're a first responder. Um, <laughs> tell me, tell that story. <laughs> Well, I was in a meeting with, with, with a number of our organisations, our partner organisations, and they were sharing how they're the first responders to a disaster. Yeah. And so I quietly sat there and asked them, how did they get there? Because we're there doing logistics and planning before they arrive so they can actually be the first responders. 
<laughs> and, but we love the fact that we can share that heart with them. Oh, yeah, it's nice. It's good. You've got to have a laugh along the way. So, for instance, uh, Samaritan's Purse, Yeah, uh, it uh, uses MAF to distribute shoeboxes. That That's right? correct, yeah. yeah. So, in Africa, um, they use us to fly shoeboxes into their regions that they need to. That's Operation Christmas Child. Operation Christmas Child, which I'm a very fond, fond follower of. <laughs> you are, and you used to manage that program, didn't you? That's so correct, across can, Australia and New Zealand. You can rightfully be proud of that. But you'll also take people into uh, danger zones if they set up yes. a field. Hospital, yes, that's for right. Instance. Yes, so we we deal with um, danger areas. We work in right now. We're working in South Sudan just straight after the war. As you know, there was the civil war in there, mm. and we're still there transporting people. And during that civil war, just to give you an example, right? The the people would ring us and say, "We've got a ceasefire for twenty four hours. Can you guys fly in and bring out our sick and our wounded?" And because we don't choose which side we're on. We're neutral, we're God's people doing God's service. We fly in, we take whoever it is, and sometimes you might have one from a rebel and one from the government yeah. in the same pl flight. Well, indeed, and that's people need to understand that's exactly how Christian charities around the world do operate. Mm. And so uh, talk to me a little bit more about the danger that's involved for your people. The danger is, is flying in, in distant areas um, with... With the capabilities, if I use Papua New Guinea example, you up in Mount Hagen, you're starting at 5,000 feet. Mm. You're looking at heavy rains. So the air mountains. is already thin. And, That's and right. So. The air is thin. Uh, the the mountains there, if I use one example, I was on an aircraft and the pilot said, we're going into to Booble. And I went, well, great, that's wonderful. And he said, it's a 450-metre runway and it is two degrees and there is a 5,000-foot mountain at the end of it. So could you please pray with me as we land? And I said, yes, not a problem. And we landed and we, we delivered school goods. So there was a group of school children that lived there, needed their exam papers and their study papers, and we were able to deliver that. And that's part of what we do. And the, the Christians that are working there, the missionaries who are living there, teaching these children, are building life for them they're bringing hope to these people mm. and they're changing the ending which is something that we work with to turn around though and take off from that same runway mm. we've now only got 350 meters because we have to turn right otherwise we hit the other mountain mm. so these pilots are classified as bush pilots in a single aircraft and they're flying out there doing what god's called them to do transporting hope and love Goodness. Ian McDougall is with us, the General Manager of Mission Aviation Fellowship in Australia. Ian, are the pilots full-time or do you also get pilots who give their own time as, as you'll see in the medical services and so on? Yeah, so we have both. Most of our pilots are full-time. They're experienced pilots. Mm -hmm. You have to have 500 hours to fly with us. Mm. And then you go out and you sign up for a four-year contract and we can place you anywhere. So we've got pilots serving in Arnhem Land. We've got pilots serving in East Timor and in Uganda, Papua New Guinea, Timor-Leste, and just the, the places move on. Goodness. So right around the world. And Australians are over there. We have 50 staff working around the world from Australia, mm. and we have 23 currently in the pipeline getting ready to go. And I gather many of your staff raise their own support. They do, all of them. All of them? Yes, so everyone raises their own support. Goodness. And uh, we do a ministry partnership program where we actually go out, work with churches and individuals to raise our own funds, and then go to the field. That's massive. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why it takes two years from the time you start an inquiry mm. to the time you get to the field, and you sign on for four years, and most people do three cycles or 12 years. 
and the missionary uh, the missionary life is is interesting i was uh, i uh, i had a, a wonderful executive assistant once who um had been with MAF, in fact, in Papua New Guinea. Mm. And she has stories about the churches that would send used tea bags um, for the missionaries in Papua New Guinea. Used tea bags. Used tea bags. You can't waste anything. (laughs) Fortunately, we don't ask for used tea bags anymore. (laughs) (laughs) What we like to do is to have have people pray for us. What we like to do is to have people provide funds that can cover us. We have so many projects. It's a it's a very heavy capital expenditure to run aircraft. Yes. Um, we have to run what's called electronic flight bags so that the pilots are, are kept safe. We've just worked with Papua New Guinea. Just recently, we've raised over $60,000 to put HF radios back into Papua New Guinea because the company that runs the telco there mm. is not repairing it. They're not making money, so they're actually pulling out of of Mount Hagen and Garoka and those highland areas. So we currently, through MAF Technology Services, are putting HF radios back into all the airports. And when I say an airport, (laughs) I have to explain to people that an airport to us is that it's four poles and a bit of tin roof. I was on an aircraft in Papua New Guinea two years ago with one of the councillors from Mount Hagen, and as we were flying across, and if you've been in a small aircraft, you know talking to each other is yelling. Mm. And he was yelling at me, and he was going, Ian, wherever I see a tin roof, I know that MAF and the gospel has come to my country. It's a wonderful reach, isn't it? And I just, I think back to 1947 and the cloth aircraft that you talked to us about, and I look at uh, today, the tin roofs, but I think about the march of technology and you're putting the Bible, loading it onto people's mobile phones so they can listen to it in the bush. Where does the future lie, Ian? What we're looking at at the moment is that there's a few things. We don't see aircraft being taken away because people need to travel. Yeah. Uh, In Timor-Leste, 30 days last month, 30 medivacs bringing people in who uh, are sick and and ill and uh, people who are pregnant that need to have get into a hospital or a clinic. But what we're also looking at at the moment, we're looking at drones and how we can help in disaster times with drones that can carry medical equipment into places where we can't land. And so we're looking at how that happens and the reach of those drones and the processes there. So there's a number of things we're looking at, but also with technology. We're constantly looking at solar panels. We're looking at ways and means. We've just put in over $40,000 worth of solar panels into Garoka mm-hmm. so we can reduce the cost of electricity for the compounds and the pilots so they can actually then spend more money on fuel to fly. So there's a number of things that we have to do. And for every 20 minutes of flying, it's 50 Australian dollars for 20 minutes of flying. That's just the fuel. That's no other costs involved. (laughs) And so we've got to look at best practice in how we're doing it. The fleets that we run, we also have to renew those. Every 100 hours of uh, aircraft gets checked and reserviced. Every thousand hours, it gets completely stripped down and put back together again for safety reasons. Yeah, so... While your pilots may be sustained on used tea bags from home, uh, you have the highest technical standards for your aircraft. I get that. Yeah. Yes. Who knows where that'll go? But I do. I do um, rather think that the world would no- would know if you weren't there. Yes. And and look, we we do that. We quietly go about our work, and 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 that's where we come from. When we were in Nepal just recently, and after the tsunami in Indonesia, people said, yeah. "Guys." 
when can we start moving out? The first responders, their first thing is, when can we start moving product and people? Yes. And we're saying we need to find out whether we can land. So in Nepal, we couldn't land. So we actually went to a helicopter company and said, can we commandeer your helicopters for two years? And they just looked at us and went, really? We said, yes, two years of service. And so we've been there right through that, and we're still working in Nepal. Using choppers. Using choppers because we can fly in people, we can fly in medicals, we can fly in tin roofs. Wow. It's a wonderful work. How can people find out more, Ian? Yeah, go to maf.org.au, and it will tell you all about what we do and how we do it. You can donate. You can sponsor a family there. You can go online and look at the 50 families, look at their stories, and you can pick a country that they're working in and sponsor them. And that goes directly to cover their costs on being on field. And if you want to just give, donate to where most needed, we make sure the money gets fully utilised. That's beautiful. Ian McDougall, thank you so much for being with us. No, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Discover more Open House podcasts at openhousecommunity.com.au.